0: Five hundred years ago,
1: he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The Ghost Who Walks! The
0: Phantom! Enemies The phantom's always there, but you
2: won't find the phantom He finds you G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to episode 69 of X-Band, the phantom podcast My name is Dan Fraser and tonight I'm joined by Jermaine Parker, how are you Jermaine?
0: Pretty good mate, pretty good, Um, yeah, uh, looking forward to tonight's conversation
2: me too. Uh, very much so. Um, you recovered from supernova and leaf walked in a weekend last <laughs> eight
0: Did days. Did you ago. know? For the for the whole for the that whole week, I was asleep before my daughter like every single <laughs> night. She was like she must have loved it because you know the wife was exhausted as well. So you know we we're asleep. And she was probably you
2: know. She's got the run of the house.
0: Partying on and you know and um you know, never mind, she's only two and a half. I reckon she was still uh you know, making the most of it.
2: So you, you keep going on about how you're the youngest one in the room at these things and yet you're still <laughs> the old man who's stuffed when you get home.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you've uh, if you've met my daughter you would understand. She's a handful.
2: <laughs> okay. Anyway, we better move on, because we do have a guest waiting, and um, it's a bit of an unusual podcast today, because obviously we are a very phantom-focused podcast, but we're not really talking about the phantom tonight, or are we? Uh, Tonight, though, we actually have a date with the demon, and more specifically, the creator of the demon, uh, Matt Kime. How
1: are you, Matt? I'm really well, thanks, Dan. It's uh, great to be on your show, and hello, Jermaine.
0: How you going, mate? It's good to have you. Uh, normally, we're joined by uh, a third guest. We've got to pay out, Steve. The other thing we do is usually pay out whoever's not not attending. And um, Steve, a lot like yourself, had, was doing a lot of uh, last minute marking, and um, he got a little bit sidetracked uh, by reading your comics and um, failed to get all his marking done. So that's where he is at the moment. He is uh, in the naughty corner. Yeah, uh, Fishing is marking. <laughs> so you've got you might be getting a teacher into trouble, Matt.
1: Yeah. that's a pain. I know all too well being a teacher myself. The uh, the very
2: last thing we heard from Stephen um, Matt is hashtag probably shouldn't have read the demon during school time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, another teacher
2: corrupted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, you, so you're a teacher, Matt. Can you, can you, um, so that's your
1: full-time job, is it, or are you um, part-time? Yeah, or? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm a teacher, and I've been so for about 15 years. Uh, primarily an art teacher in secondary school. Um, I teach a few other subjects as well, but art really is my uh, bread and butter in the classroom.
2: Yep, yeah, and and have you been creating um, comics for long, or d- drawing drawing I suppose mostly as an art teacher.
1: Yeah, well, drawing since forever, like when I was a you know a toddler, I was had a chalkboard and I was just drawing away on that. Um, comics sort of became a big fashion when I was nine years old, and um, you'd be happy to know that it started with the Phantom, who was my original and still is favourite uh, comic character. I mean, obviously he is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the original and the best. So I just want to put that out there to any people that might be a bit suspicious about this demon comic. That yes, I am an absolute bona fide Phantom fan. Um, but my um, my steps into comics, I guess, go back probably about five years ago. Um, I started to have a look at the Australian scene and see what was out there. I was sort of hoping that there would be some um, comic companies I could maybe do some writing for, because, you know, I really enjoy writing as well as um, art. Yeah. And I sort of found that, uh, other than through, there really wasn't many opportunities for um, comic artists and writers, unless you're interested in, you know, submitting work overseas. Mm. So I started to have a look at the self-published comics Um, things like, um, Killaroo, and From Above, um, some of the earlier comics as well from the, um, 80s and 90s, like Dark Nebula, um, Southern Squadron, and I thought, all right, maybe I might work on my own comic, and I came up with a comic called That Bulletproof Kid. Right. That was sort of my first, um, comic.
2: And, um, I've only seen a couple of pictures of The Bulletproof Kid, but, um, yeah, his his outfit is, is reasonably reminiscent of the Phantom as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, look, I, I never really made that connection myself. Um, some people have mentioned that uh, that bulletproof kid is pretty much entirely different from the Phantom um, story story-wise. He's like a kind of a typical like 1960s Marvel kind of character. You okay, know, he's a teenage superhero, and he's got the ability to fly, super strength, bulletproof. Um, but at the at the same time, he's just a pretty regular kind of kid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He just he just wants to go to school and make friends and party and do all the things that a normal teenager would want to do. Right. So uh, pretty pretty different from the demon.
2: Yeah. Okay. And uh, so just to clarify, you said that you started um, uh, you know reading Phantom comics at about the age of nine. What sort of era was that? Um, with <laughs> without this necessary... uh, yeah.
1: Well, I can tell you if, if you've seen, um, if your uh, listeners are familiar with The Demon, you'll know I've got the yellow band up the top. Yes. So that's a bit of a clue. Um, it was around about issue 900 when I first started reading.
2: Right, right. And Just so, after
1: 900.
2: Just after 900. Um, so, right. So that sort of puts you in the. 1989. Yeah, okay. So it well, might yeah. have been
1: 1988.
2: That puts you in a similar sort of uh, era as Jermaine and myself, I think. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, the um, I probably I probably started reading around the 8 850s myself. Um, I've just oh, turned yeah. 40, so. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm 37.
2: Yeah, I was going to say 15 15 years teaching. That um, again, pretty similar to me. Yeah.
1: So we we both sort of come in at a really good time as far as Phantom goes. I reckon you know that was the the golden age, some people
2: have called it. Well, it was almost a uh, yeah, it was a regeneration, wasn't it, with Jim Shepard coming in, yeah. and he sort of he was full of vim and vigor at the time, and reproducing in full all of the old comics that people had been complaining about that they were just getting his reprints all the time.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, we got to see in all their glory the first time round, I think.
1: I think, like, I feel particularly um, lucky to have come in at that stage because. Like there was a whole batch of these classics in a row.
2: Yep. Like,
1: you know, the Shark's Nest and Golden Circle and Alvar's Game and all these ones, you know, the Seahorse, um, Little Thomas, Fishes of Pearls, uh Yeah, Prisoner of the Himalayas, Adventure in Algiers. And yeah. um like I was I was nine years old and I just like totally fell in love with the nineteen thirties. Yeah. I just love the way that um, I love the dialogue. I thought it was so funny like to say things like egad yeah and, uh, I just thought it was the best. I got really interested in the 1930s I started watching like old movies and listening to old music and to me like that has always been my favorite period of comics yeah right and that's obviously the biggest influence on the demon you know like I've set them in nineteen thirty six I've tried to capture. Like the pace that um, Lee Folk had, I've tried to capture the sort of dialogue and adventure and that kind of sense of fun.
0: Sure. Mm. Um, I I think you raised a good point. Like with the fun, like uh, there is a lot of fun in there. There's, um, and it's yeah, very. I thought that was a very good way of uh, describing. Like there's definitely the seriousness, and you know, like you're not afraid of. I think it was on page where was it? On page I oh, don't have page when uh when Elizabeth uh kills the um uh, the goon towards the end. So it's you know, it's definitely Spoilers, it's got Jimine. the Oh well hang on people <laughs> <Pretty> were, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, <laughs> uh so you know, there's 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 those elements that are a lot, you know, that are very adult and all that, but there's that fun, which um
1: yeah. 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 I just remember, like the Phantom used to have the funniest one-liners.
2: Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, like there's that scene in the Slave Traders when um, I forget his name, but the baddie he says, you know, rumor has it that you were last here 200 years ago. Um, what do you say about that, boogeyman? Or why'd you return? And the Phantom says, I forgot my umbrella. Yeah. Yes. Like, come on, how funny is that? It's the it's the desert. You forgot his umbrella. It's yeah. just classic.
2: Yeah, yep. totally. And and you've got a line similar to that, I suppose. Um, one of the captions that you've used for a uh, one of the shirts about um uh, uh laundry day. The laundry day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah. Me... Look,
1: I'm just standing on the on the shoulders of giants. You know, like I I recently read all of those stories, like in the right chronological order. Um, And that was before I started writing The Demon. I just wanted to really do like a heap of research and really immerse myself in that world and get a a real feeling for the lingo. And like the more I read, I just thought, these comics are so awesome. You know, like I don't know why The Phantom isn't bigger, like, you know, internationally. Mm. You know, he's really loved in Australia. But I mean, he's so much better than Batman and Superman and all those other heroes. He's just way better. But, you know, who
0: knows? That's a whole other story, isn't it? Yeah, that is. We're not going to uh, solve that problem on uh, on this podcast,
2: unfortunately. You are preaching <laughs> no. to the converted there, though. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but so, I mean that,
1: like, he's just the best.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, Lee Falk, and I think we can tell from your style in the Demon Ray Moore, um, th- you would count them as your heroes in the, uh, in the comic book world? Are there, is there anyone else?
1: Uh, Well, look, I would say that they are my favourite creative team ever in comics. You know, like, there's so many benchmark comics out there, you know, Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns and things like that, and there's so many geniuses. But to me, like, you just can't beat Ray Moore and um, Lee Fogg, particularly the first maybe ten stories. Mm. They just... the, The Phantom was just hopping from place to place, adventure to adventure, there was this fantastic sort of subplot where he was trying to desperately get back in touch with Diana, but everything kept going wrong. And then there's guys like Byron, who also got the hots for Diana, and it's just it's just such a, a fun read.
2: Mm.
1: Really enjoyable stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure. So so those would obviously if um, if you're saying the first ten. Um, or so stories would be among, amongst your favourite. Do you, do you still enjoy the Wilson McCoy and then the Sy Barry and then you know everyone who's come after them as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I've I've got plans to sort of um, replicate Wilson McCoy's um, style, uh, but also I think like you know Lee Fog, his style changed as well. Yes, yeah. so, definitely. Um,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. I think for me personally, my favourite stories, the ones which I just can read over and over and over, are the earliest ones. Um, I think it's probably because everything was so new and Lee Folk was sort of making it up as he was going and there was just all these, you know, exciting new things which hadn't been seen before. I think, you yeah. know, by the time Guy Barry came along, there was more maturity to the stories and, um, you know, he'd sort of become, in his ways a bit with some of his storytelling and reoccurring characters mm-hmm. um, and that's not a bad thing I'm not saying it's a bad thing it's just that I think the initial stories have just got more I don't know more excitement in them
0: yeah yep I tend to agree I can see where you're coming from that one
2: yeah for sure so So Matt, maybe it's time to, um, probably best you do it in your own words, can you maybe explain to everybody what what the demon is, where the concept came from, um, and how the Phantom worked as an inspiration for for this new series that you've started producing?
1: Sure thing. Look, the story goes that um, I was working on other comics, and I was collaborating with um, another illustrator, and this is all documented in the back of the first issue, this is sort of a... a a, a retelling of that history I've written down. And, um, yeah, a friend and I were trying to come up with an idea that we could work on together. And I'd just recently been reading all my old Phantoms, um, just for the hell of it, really, just for fun. And so I kind of threw this idea at him, why don't we do a comic which is set in the 1930s and is very much in the same vein as the Phantom? Almost like... Like a real loving tribute to the Phantom. Now, this other guy, Simon Wright, he was cool with the idea, but he's not really a Phantom fan. So, his sort of enthusiasm wasn't sort of matching mine. So, eventually, I think that collaboration kind of went, you know, fell apart. Uh, Also, he was just busy and our our timetables sort of didn't line up. Hmm. I had to teach a talk there. But anyway, um, I decided that I really liked this idea to do a, a Phantom comic but not featuring the Phantom. So I started to think about all the things I liked about the Phantom and what things I might change. And it's it's hard because like everything about the Phantom is so cool. Yeah. But I thought one story which really stood out to me years ago was The Fourth Son. You know that story? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep.
1: I always thought um, there were in this particular story. You know, the 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 Phantom has four sons, and he, you know, he he's injured and he needs to be replaced. And the first, second, and third sons aren't interested. They turn their back on their legacy, and it's the fourth son that ends up being the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And I always thought if the first son did become the Phantom that fourth son, who was a fantastic phantom, wouldn't have had his shot. Mm. And I thought, why couldn't they all be phantoms? And the sort of idea just sort of dawned on me. You know, over the years, there's always been one, apart from, Mm. you know, occasionally Julie would step in and help out, but usually she'd just step in while the other phantom was sick Mm. or, you know, injured. How cool would it be if there was more than one phantom? And they could actually pull off these epic stunts together, and they could, you know, like keep this um, keep the the villains um, baffled, basically. Yeah. And so that's sort of the idea. And I thought if if there was more than one phantom, and these phantoms had children, before you know it, there'd be lots of phantoms. There'd be like this network, particularly over generations and generations. Mm. So I started playing with that idea of the demon, that there's multiple demons. And it's like a, there's actually a worldwide network of demons. They're kind of like spies. Mm. So, yeah, that was, that was the concept.
2: Mm. And um, so the, the, that's the Cole family. Um, in yeah. your mind, like we're three issues in and we've met, Oh, I'm going to say five or six demons or members of the Cole family. Yep. Um, in your mind, how fleshed out is that Cole family tree and um, who's related to who and how they each work together in this network?
1: Look, um, I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. I've mapped out <laughs> a lot of stuff. I've, I've drawn diagrams and charts. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I, I could probably compare it to was... Um, Star Wars, if I may, to move away from the Phantom for a second.
3: Sure.
1: The George Lucas, you know, when he was planning out his universe, apparently, legend has it, that he, he went back hundreds of years and he went forwards hundreds of years and he just had like this massive big master plan and then he, he zeroed in on the story he wanted to tell. With um, the Demon, because it's so inspired by the Phantom... I can look at the phantom and, uh, and his history, and I can look at things about that which I think were really well done and also things which I think were lost opportunities. Mm. So I have actually planned out you know, stories featuring the current cast, stories featuring their descendants, and also stories featuring their offspring.
3: Mm.
1: I've, thought, I've yeah. mapped it right up to the 80s. I don't want to take it further than, than the 80s, because that's when I started reading the Phantom. So I want to... And also, if you've, if you've read The Demon, you'll see that one of the gags in it is that it's printed in 1989. Yes. Which is... Yeah. So I'm never going to go past 1989 unless I do, like, some hokey sort of future Phantom, which... which Demon
2: could be set 2040 in 2000. or something.
1: Yeah. Or it could be even set, like, in 2002. Yeah. You know. Kind of like I'm not sure. I think Back to the Future Two was set in like two thousand and fifteen uh, or
2: something. Fifteen I think, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. And you know, so they had such a wild idea of what that future would be like. So I mean I could do something like that. Yeah, cool. But yeah, to answer your question I I've given it a lot of thought. Too much thought really.
2: <laughs> so so there is a diagram somewhere of the Cole family tree and uh how these cousins are related to each other and all this sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Also, um, you might have noticed that the company that they have as mm. their sort of cover, it's coal and Stone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be going to the Stone family and showing what the connection is there mm. and, uh, and how that plays out. Yeah, okay.
0: Oh, You've just knocked off one of my questions, then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right, mate. Ask that's, it anyway.
2: That's good. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. We're, we're ticking a few boxes as we go. You, you're being really, um, mm. yeah, really forthcoming. So, um, I guess the, the 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 key question for me is, um, and I think will come up regularly, is how did the demon all start? What is their origin story? Was was someone washed off a uh, um, a, a capsizing um, merchant ship as pirates invaded, or you know, we we haven't seen that yet in three episodes. Um, yeah. What is? You know, I, I imagine you know the origin of the demon. Um, do you have plans for when that might come out?
1: I, I I do have plans. Yep, I've I've mapped it all out. The the beauty of it though is because it's it's a, a phantom tribute, you can just sort of um, throw the reader into a, a story without giving them the backstory because yeah. they kind of already sort of know. Yeah. Like I haven't come out and said exactly what happens, but people who've read the first three will, will already know that there's a family legacy happening. Yes. And so that, mm. that legacy must have started somewhere. And people who've read the third one will see that there's uh, the backup story, and that goes back to, like, the nineteen like 1903. Yes. So we know the Phantom's been active... or not the Phantom, the Demon, has been active <laughs> for a while. Yes. But what you don't know yet is, do I take it back 500 years? Do I take it back 200, or...? I you know, much longer.
2: I, I'm, I'm dredging out my memory now, but wasn't there a reference in one of the stories to a demon 200 years ago? Yes. Yeah, so... It's, so, so
1: we y- know it y- at least goes back that far. Yeah,
2: yeah. So far. Yeah.
1: But that's, I didn't want to rush into doing an origin story. Um, I thought I'd just introduce some characters in the 30s, take them on a few adventures and see what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I never really had plans to do a second or third issue.
3: Right.
1: The, um, it was always just going to be just a one-off, but people really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed doing it. So the second the second and third issues just kind of wrote themselves. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sure. Well, you raised a good point about the um, not wanting to rush into the historical story. You've got to remember, um, Lee Falk didn't really do a historical story for a while either. And majority of his stories, probably about eighty to ninety percent of his stories, are all set in the current day of the time. Yeah. He's very rarely gabbled in the past, and so yeah.
1: One thing I wanted to do sort of differently to um, leave folk, um, and and all comics basically, like when you look at the Phantom, it's been the same Phantom for eighty years, you yeah. know, and. Just sort of recently he's aged a bit and his children have aged. But for a long time, the story was him and Diana mm. dating. For years and years and years and years and years. And then they got married and they had kids, etc. And every comic you look at as well, like Spider-Man, Batman, it's become a problem. And yes. that's why these comics are being rebooted all the time because the, the characters, they've become kind of stagnant. Yeah, what true. I can do with demon is I, I don't have that as a barrier you know I can I can have characters who are alive in the, in the you know, 1930s mm. and then if I want to I can do a story set in the 60s and it's yep. going to be their children or grandchildren involved mm. you know like I can yep. actually I can I can age these characters properly
0: mm. Yeah, oh, that's that's an interesting development. I reckon I reckon that's a very good idea, to be
2: honest. And and having that awareness of uh, yeah. that problem as you're starting, because I don't think, um, you know, if we look back at it, I don't know that Lee Fork, I don't well, he wouldn't have envisaged that he was
1: the strip was still going to be going 81 years later. Um, no, that's that, that none, was a none of these. Yeah, it's it's the same problem of all comics, you know. It's and it's like you say, they they either didn't count on it or it just wasn't something they considered. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not a problem. Like, the Phantom being around for 80 years is not a problem. Not at all. No. But it would be interesting because, you know, like, it does cause continuity problems when the character, you know, his father was supposedly, you know, fighting Germans mm. in... You know, I'm just going back to like that that Eden story. You know, when Mm. when um he was brought up with Archie,
3: yes, and Archie
1: was killed in World War One. You know, like it's it's not a it's it's only comics, people. It's only comics. But wouldn't it be cool if there was a character that did actually age chronologically, year after year?
2: Yeah, Mm. and we we've certainly discussed that a number of times on the podcast, and I do think that it's a shame that Lee Fork... Um, himself didn't realise after 20 or 30 years, hey maybe it's time to, to kill 21 off and, and move to 22 yeah, and yeah. just get that ball rolling um, it, it, you're right, it's left a problem that the, that I think they're, they're trying to deal with now yeah,
1: see no one wants to see
0: 21 die because he's, he's, he's an icon but, uh, uh, Dan uh, does
1: uh, he's <laughs> done a whole podcast about how he's going to kill him
0: off <laughs> Uh, which had his which had his focus card uh, membership card removed
2: well it certainly were been, avoided it's certainly been <laughs> called into question there's no doubt about that
1: <laughs> but see if, if things had have um, been progressing along we'd be reading about Kit and Halloween's children by now yes
2: yeah. that's exactly right yep
1: and uh, you know that would be cool you know because it, it looks it really looks like the writers are entertaining the idea of having two phantoms Mm. when um, Mm. those two grow up. I'd love to see how that pans out.
2: Because
1: then I'll sue them.
2: Well, that probably is a nice segue because then you could probably, if they do that, you could argue that they are using um, some of the ideas that you have established. Whereas at the moment, I think one of the big question marks that a lot of fans have um, as they see your stuff on Facebook and all the rest of it, is how much is too much when it comes to the ideas that you're using from, from Lee Fork and, and from the original. So uh, we do have to ask some hard questions about sure. that sort of stuff. Um, yep. you, you've said that it's a tribute and a loving tribute, and I think now that we have read the three issues, we can certainly see that. Um, but for people who haven't read it yet or maybe have just seen images of the covers or, or a couple of pages online... Um, how can you explain to them what the difference is or where the line is between um, being inspired by or paying homage to um, these great works that you admire and, and in your own words from one of the comics, you know, um, just making it a rip-off uh, from, from that great work? Yeah,
1: look, this is this is always the biggest question and it's um, it's something I see on the faces of people when they come up to the stall like at Supernova I see people with phantom t-shirts coming up and they're looking at the poster and they're looking at me and they're like what the hell is this Mm. you know like the mask looks the same there's a blue background there's a red ropping there's a yellow strip up the top you know how dare you and um, it's probably what I would be thinking too if you know if I went to a con and I saw someone else doing a similar thing so the differences. It's kind of like the proof is in the pudding, you know. Like I, I tell the I tell people, yes, absolutely, this is inspired by the Phantom, because it is. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and take credit for, for the Phantom. This is uh, it's a masterpiece. He's the original and best superhero. What I've done, mm. I've tried as hard as I can to be faithful to the style, both in art. And in writing, I was my favourite comic creators. But I've tried really hard to put my own spin on it. Now, people, when they sort of look at the cover, they're not going to know what my touches are. No. They really have to pick it up and have a read. And I think, you know, what we've discussed thus far, readers, who, your, your listeners who haven't read it yet, they'll, they will have heard things already, which are very different from The Phantom. Mm. First of all, there's not one demon. There's a number of them. Um, it's kind of like the premise is: what if it wasn't only the oldest son that swore the oath? What if all this, all the offspring, had that um, opportunity? Mm. So that's that's pretty much in a nutshell. Like it is very phantom-y because that's what I that's what I love. Mm. but I've made changes. I've I've, uh, really considered what I love about the phantom and changed a few things around. I've changed the setting. He's not in the jungle. Mm. I've changed the way he uses his wealth. Um, I've changed it that the phantom doesn't have to die before his children take up the mantle. Mm -hmm. It's more like an apprenticeship, which they start when they're 18.
3: Mm. So...
1: Yeah, there's, you know, I, I can talk about it, but people really need to have a look at it if they're uh, curious or if they're willing to take a chance on something new. Mm. Yeah, I,
0: th- I think that's a good point. That, you know, you, you know, you got to give it a, you got to give it a shot. That's, um, I've told you this before. That's, that's what I did. I, I, I gave it a shot. I came to your booth in Sydney. Uh, you know, was it your wife that I was talking to at first? Yep. Yep. Uh, I was talking to your like wife. Money. Yeah, and then uh, I was talking to you as well. I, I gave it a shot. I brought them. Um, had a, had a good read of them today, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the differences that um, you've made mentioned. Um, they were great. Hom- they were great. Uh, great. Uh, you know, hom- uh, great differences in which are making the character of its own. But there's definitely still that um uh, that homage to the Phantom. Um, And I I think it's good how you've done that because it shows your skill as a writer and also um, uh, as an artist as well that you are able to um, to add those different elements. Mm, Thank
3: you. Because
0: it's because you know it's it's very easy to just to copy something, but I think you've done more than just that. um, And and I think that
1: definitely. I'm really glad you say that because that's that's what I want people to come away with that you know this isn't just some guy who's got the Phantom and put a hood on him and truth of the Phantom <laughs> story. Like, yeah. even the first story, like the Princess of Kerala, I wanted mm. Phantom fans to just, like, flip, flip out, like, read this thing and go, oh, wow, you know, why has that never happened in a Phantom comic before? Mm. Or, you mm. know, there,
3: there,
1: there's not one, there's two. No, wait a minute, there's three. Mm. And one's a girl. This is mm. crazy.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like... So, um, yeah, so we were, we were asking each other when we figured out that there was more than one and that they were all related and all that, and uh, when did you figure it out, Dan?
2: Um, when when one demon was locked in the room and the other one was um, uh, elsewhere on the ship, and, and you start to go, oh, okay, so there must be two, and, and that's when the penny started to drop for me. I, I didn't realise they were related probably until, um, until Matt, you, you sort of explicitly um, let us know that. Um, I'm a simple man, and I... Think that true?
1: <laughs> but that's that, that's like yeah. what I was really trying to do, This all this misdirection kind of thing. Yes. Like I had Thurston Cole, who looked exactly like Mr. Walker. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then you, you see him slink off. Like he, mm. he gets an opportunity to leave the, the, the action, and he goes off, and you think, oh, yeah, that's typical. You know, sure. that's, that's That's predictable. And there's this other guy, Milton, you know, and he he uh, he's a he's a coward. So you think, oh yeah, he's kind of like a Jimmy Wells kind of character. Exactly. Like it's, it, it, it's not going to be him. But then you well, see.
0: Well, I actually—that's when I figured it out. Yeah. That's for me. I figured it out that he was, you know, the demon. Like um, when he fainted, I thought, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. You know, this this is this is, he, he, this is him.
2: Well, um, I, was, I was still going both ways at that stage. I still wasn't sure which one, because um, I because I, I figured that it wasn't going to be exactly the same as the Phantom, and and so I thought maybe you would decided to make the Jimmy Wells character um, the Phantom. I still hadn't tweaked yeah. that there was going to be multiple at that time.
0: <laughs> yeah, so when and the when see... one fainted and the other one disappeared, I thought, ah, oh, that's yeah. that's when I picked up at there's two, but I didn't pick you up the third the one until later
1: when he you know, punches a couple of sailors. Mm. And then you see um Thurston is still wearing his hat and coat. Yes. So you think, Oh, yeah. okay, it's gotta be it's gotta be Milton. Yes. But then later on there's another you know, it's that's this whole misdirection thing. I want people to think, What the hell is actually going on here? Like he's yeah. tricked people into thinking that he's in two places at once but is he
2: or isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I actually, um, I'm glad that I read it before I heard this podcast, actually, because uh, I, I had the joy of sort of finding that out for myself. So um, we might have to record <laughs> an introduction that says, please make sure you go and read it before you listen. <laughs> yeah, look,
1: there are major, major spoiler alerts in what we're saying, yeah. but you know, there's, there's, there's three issues out now, so come on, people. Yeah, that's exactly right.
2: And, it. and the first one came out in, was it September last year? Yeah, so people have had, certainly had the chance to uh, to see it. If they if they need a spoiler alert by now, then they're uh, they're missing out.
1: Actually, I didn't reveal the cover of issue two um, for quite a while because it has a Simon Wright did a picture of the female demon yes. on the cover. Yes. And um, I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. You know, I really wanted people to 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 read number one first. So I I, I put off releasing that cover until it was ready to go yeah so i'm
2: glad you That's brought up the smart. covers because um there, there's a question there too i suppose in terms of like we've talked a lot about this being a tribute to the fandom and lee fork and ray moore but there's also i mean there's a whole bunch of through um all over what you're doing as well and you've you've sort of alluded to the yellow strip at the top the red writing the blue background the covers are very fruity if i can say that um oh Andy. The- the interior as well, don't forget. Oh, 100%. I mean, you you open those and you, I'm immediately drawn back to the old Jim Shepard editorials that were, were the, yep. some of the first ones that I that I read, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s. I guess similar time to when you were picking it up. So you've sort of taken me back to yep. my first days of reading the Phantom there as well. So, um, you know, do you think you will have picked up um, Phantom fans just because it looks like Fru and that you've used some of the... The elements and the design motifs from what they've been doing as well. I mean, even the fru symbol is there, but with kime in the yellow circle. Yeah.
1: Well, I can tell you, um, it's been it's been uh, probably the eye catching thing. You know, it's it's what grabs people, particularly at a convention when people haven't seen it before and they're walking past the table and they see that familiar yellow band and then they see something that's kind of familiar but not, and it brings them in. So, look, was it me trying to be slick marketing? Not really. <laughs> I just wanted more than anything else to have a comic that looked like it was actually from the 1980s. Yeah, okay. And the Yellow Band, you know, people might disagree, but I thought they were fantastic. When I started reading in 1988 or 1989, that was just a, that was a staple. Of, of the Phantom, that there was this yellow band which had the story name. I, um, it was a
0: great marketing ploy. Whoever came up with it, because it yeah. does stand out amongst everything else. Oh, I it was
1: looks... disappointed when they lost it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were writing in and saying, "Oh, thank God you got rid of that yellow band." Mm. I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. I always loved it.
0: Yeah, it might not be the most appealing thing, but it, from a marketing point of view and the fact that it stood out amongst everything else on the newsagent shelf, it it did wonders.
2: What did you think when also, they... bro brought... oh, so I was just going to ask what you thought about when they brought back the concept for about 15 issues um, a couple of years ago while Steve Shepherd was in charge. Yeah, it's
1: good. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I'm, I love it. I, um I mean... You know, things come and go. You can't get too attached to things, but maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they should leave it off because that was, there was um, particular of that time. You know, like the late 80s, early 90s. You know, maybe, maybe that's part of Phantom history that they don't need to dig up again. Mm-hmm. But I like it. Yeah. Okay. I'll just tell you one thing about the covers. Um, it's, it's. You'll know that I've got a few different versions of some of the comics. There's there's two different covers available for Issue 1 and two different covers for Issue 2. What always happens, nine out of... That's a contradiction. What usually happens is Phantom fans go for the one with the blue background. Mm. Uh, I've saw it time and time again. Um, Issue 2, I've got a cover by Simon Wright which is in that very kind of um, f- typical Fru style, the blue background. And I've got a cover by Graham Jackson, which is a beautiful digital painting of the demon sort of standing above this city. Now, it's an exceptionally beautiful cover, but most people go for the Simon Wright cover because it's 1980s-style phantom that they know.
0: Yeah. Um, what's so I just want to test your theory out a little bit more. With uh, number one, what was uh, cover A and cover B? Uh,
1: cover A uh, was cover A was my own cover. I'm actually looking at it now. There's the demon, and there's two gangsters in front of him. There's a blue background. Cover yep. B was a um, a cover by Jason Paulus, the artist yep. who's doing the uh, Gaslight Gangster.
0: So, will will we'll t- so um I brought uh number 1 cover B. Yep, but then for number 2 forward. I yeah uh which minus the blue cover but uh number 2 I went the cover A. Oh yeah, that's
1: the Simon right.
0: Yeah, that's the Simon Wright with the blue background. So I went 50-50 so Yeah. <laughs> well the, the...
1: The Jason Paulus one, um, that was a real surprise because I didn't actually ask him to do that cover. he yes. he, he just drew it. He, um, the, the first issue wasn't even out. You know, I'd, I'd put a Facebook page together and I'd been promoting this comic which was coming out. And then one day I was looking through my Facebook feed and there was this picture by Jason Paulus, one of my artistic heroes, and it was of my character. And just by... By sheer luck, it had that kind of Fru look. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not typical of Fru's style from the 80s, but it still had you know had some blues in it and it had a very dominant Phantom sort of mm. vibe to it. So, you just uh, have I to him.
0: publish that if someone's going give to you, give you something like that, are you?
1: Well, look, I wrote to him straight away and said, <laughs> I, I can't even believe how cool this looks. Can I please use it as a cover? And he said, "Yeah, sure, go for
2: it." So that's how that
3: happened.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. Well, they just of,
0: love stories like that.
2: <laughs> and I think I mean, I we've still got can't it. from Supernova and having seen um, Jason draw some of the sketch covers for through on their blank ones. Um, yeah, he's a phenomenal artist, and, and what he can what he can bring to the table there is just amazing, isn't it?
1: I think um, his work in that uh, Gaslight Phantom is just amazing. You know. I'm, Really thrilled that through are taking a chance on an Australian team and doing something that's you know outside the box. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So I mean, with yeah. uh, Kid Phantom as well. I think through like just the last couple of years of Fru have just been so full of surprises. They're doing a fantastic job.
2: Yeah. Mm. So before we so leave uh, the um, um, the uh, the inspiration and the nods and stuff, because because each each issue of the Demon is full from, from front cover to back of um, little nods or Easter eggs or, or whatever you'd like to call them um, to the Phantom. Jermaine, um, did you, across the three issues, what was your... Did you did one stand out for you as a, as a particular...
0: Well, there was a few. Um, so there was, like, the, the creative team. There was a, a Wilson Barry, a Kit Walker, a Lily Palmer mm. was another one which I got a nice little chuckle out of. Um, and then the... Distributed by uh, Bourbon and Scotch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to have a bit of a laugh at that one. It made me uh, wonder whether that was a um, uh, like a, a nod to what helps you stay awake at night doing all of this. Um, what are was, some yeah, of the other that ones that, that I um, enjoyed? It, uh, even some of the panels. There was some. Uh, there was a couple of panels in there that um, uh, that I enjoyed scene that I remember in various um, uh, sto- uh, stories. One, um, one
1: really famous one is in Princess of Kerala when uh, when the, the demon first appears and captures, uh, I mean, saves the, the princess. And he slings her over his shoulder and runs yes. off. And that's, that's obviously for any Phantom fan, that classic scene where the Phantom turns up to Diana's wedding
3: yeah. and
1: steals <laughs> yeah. her from the altar. Yeah.
2: So yes. So
1: like some of the art is just based entirely on those classic scenes. Yeah. As a mm. as a tribute. Yeah. Well, for me, I
2: I really enjoyed. Um. Obviously, though, that those panels. I was going to suggest that there's a couple of the um the car, uh, you know, steaming off down the down the highway. Um, yes. or, or down the road, and and some of the images of the. Uh, the, the ships, the cruisers, um, and, and the motorboat between them—that really struck me as well. Um, I liked the advertising that you've included, like um, for your own uh, Redbubble merchandising—you um, know, monkeys of monkeys then of Redbubble—and Mon- and even just the style oh, yeah. of those ads. Um, but you know what? Yeah, look, the... It's all—it's
1: all a, a tribute. Like yeah. I was, it's not even only a tribute to the Phantom, but it's a tribute to Fru. You know, they—they they, absolutely my favorite comic publisher when i was a teenager um you know i started looking at marvel and dc a bit i, I like spider-man and batman but Prue i always just imagined through would be this wonderful place where like you know they must have so much fun every day it must be the best company in the world yeah you well, know the, we the, one did, thing um... that, the one thing that stood out for me that
2: really flagged that um you must be actually a massive fan. Um, is I think it was in the second issue where um, one of the characters referred to a knife as a frog sticker. And I distinctly remember that from, I think it's the Toad Men um, story. And that was just... The only other time I've ever read the term frog sticker for a knife was in a Phantom comic. So that's when I knew that uh, this was all done the right way.
1: Uh, Good on you, mate. Thank you for that. I love hearing things like that.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, you, what were you going to say, Joe? Your your listeners
0: are either loving this or hating it. <laughs> <laughs> to be, to be honest, uh, a lot of our listeners go through both emotions when they listen to our podcast. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they either they either love it, hate it, sometimes in the same sense. Okay, and the same. So, yeah, that's so, all right. Um, was, that's yeah, so um, it will yeah. So it will be um, will be yeah. They will um, they won't. They won't be disappointed as as in the
1: fact. as long as they take away from this, that it's a, it's certainly a tribute. Like the Phantom, I'm not trying to steal his thunder. The Phantom is the Phantom; he's untouchable. This is my little, uh, little tribute. Yeah, sure. So
0: no, um, that's, that's good.
2: So issue one, you've mentioned this in issue three, and and I saw it, and I certainly saw this on Facebook. But issue one was nominated for a Ledger Award. Um, yeah. for those of us who don't know what that is can you tell us what a Ledger Award is and uh, it was announced the same weekend as Supernova so how did you go?
1: Yeah well um, I'm, at, I'm from Melbourne so um, I, part of the decision to go to Sydney was that the Ledgers were on and um, I'd been nominated for one which was pretty amazing uh, the Ledger it um, it's celebrates excellence in Australian comics and graphic novels basically that's their tagline and um, they had about, I've heard, over 200 submissions this year because, you know, we don't see a lot of Australian comics, but there's a lot, of, a lot of talented people out there, you know, creating comics for print or web comics, um, graphic novels and standalone issues. And, um, yeah, I was, I was nominated and somehow, by some miracle, ended up on the short list. So I went along I thought this was pretty good, and I didn't win. <laughs> so, yes, the whole thing
3: sucks.
2: Totally. <laughs> no, that's, no, it's good. that's still pretty cool. Yeah. Like, for you to be on your, your second ever um, foray into the comics world and to have your issue one of that second um, crack being nominated for something like that, thats that's got to be a bit of a buzz, even though um, maybe you didn't walk away with the win. Well,
1: I'd say it, it's, it exceeded all my expectations. I, um, my, my goal in this was not to get rich or famous or anything stupid like that. My goal was to make a comic that maybe a few people might like. That that was it. And um, when I was nominated, um, the you know one of the organisers of the competition said, you know, can you can you send through some some uh, PDFs? You know, your, your comic's been nominated. And I said to him, I don't, I don't know if I should even be in the running for this thing. You know, this is... I had no intention of competing. You know, I don't make it to, be, to, to compete with other people. It's a very personal thing for me.
3: Mm. You
1: know, I don't actually... I don't, I don't know if I even want to be nominated. You know, I just want to make this comic for fun. And, and the other thing which I was sort of worried about was, am I going to get la- laughed off the stage? Because, you know, some people are going to say... This is the biggest rip-off since Sir, Sir Falcon, you know.
3: <laughs>
1: so um, he, you know, he talked me into it and said that, you know, it's 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 a homage, you know, it's it's it's, its own thing, it's its own entity. So, you know, come along and see how you go. Mm. So I did, and um, you know, obviously I didn't I didn't win it, but I was just happy to be there. You know, I was happy to be considered.
2: So mm. you say it's you say it's deeply personal. Um, what is it, actually the process of creating the stories like? Is um, is there, a, is there a, a huge team behind you of people who are, are going back and inking your pencils and this sort of thing? What's no, <laughs> no. from? Can you sort of take us through from no, start no, to finish, just, idea conception through to publication? What's what's the go? It's
1: just one dork with a dream, basically. <laughs> you know, like um, I, I, maybe I should be. Playing golf or something else, but this is this is my hobby. This is what I like doing when I've got some spare time. You know, I'm either reading reading old Phantom comics or I'm constructing some some ideas. The um, the Princess of Corral, the first issue that came about. I just wanted to have some kind of classic Lee folk kind of story, which introduced the character, and it just ended up being on a boat. You know, I've I, I, thinking about the seahorse and uh, the shark's nest, and I thought, you know, I really love that time in history where, you know, you go on a cruise. That's because that's what you did. You know, we don't seem to have that anymore. Um, and so with the subsequent stories, I've just sort of sat down and thought, where would I like the them to go now? What would I like them to do? What part of his story do I want to tell? So, like the third one that you've you've read, it's got far more of a sort of family focus. Mm. You know, I'm trying to um, make strong connections between the characters, show that you know these, these characters they they're family, like they really love each other. You know, it's something that you sort of you, you see in the Phantom, of course, because he's got some um, children and and family, but with the demon, like they are all Risking their lives, you know, they they're looking out for each other.
0: Yeah. Now, I did like the family, um, uh, the family touch. You've also got with both stories, actually, there's a real family, uh, element. Uh, That's probably one of the things that, I, I, you know, that did catch me about this is the fact that it is the family. And then number three. As much as I enjoyed one and two, I almost enjoyed three probably even more because of that, because of the fact that we had that personal touch. We got to learn about the family and all that. So, um, yeah, so... Oh, I
1: something that, yeah. that came about in issue two. Like, I wrote these scenes with with David and Elizabeth, the father and daughter, and I wanted there to be, like, this really unbreakable bond between the two of them. Like, he... You know, he trusts her, she's fulfilled her um, obligations and she's, you know, she's a, a capable demon in her own right. But he, she's also his daughter, so he's got a very special place in his heart for her. With the third one, I wanted to bring in a bit more of um, David's wife and his brother. Is that a little kid I can hear?
0: Yeah, as my daughter's come to join the podcast probably heard us awesome. screaming before.
1: Yeah, so that's... That, uh, I actually, I haven't heard too much feedback from Issue 3 because it's still relatively new and virtually no one in Melbourne's got it, just people from Sydney. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear some feedback on that because it's probably my favourite as well. So
0: yeah, it's... Um, yeah, the, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the nod to the... Um, uh, there's a few nods in there, like um, the Phantom Shadow and Spirit with the
3: uh, uh, yeah. um, with those it's little three little
0: characters. I love that. Uh, um, yeah. And then I also love the real homage to like the European stories. And um, this is also a, like it's a shorter story from memory. I'm flicking through it now. Yeah, it's quite So about short, all the yeah. sound effects of pages flicking and children in the background and stuff like that. Real professional podcast here. Hmm. Um, no, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I yeah, I I really enjoyed um, Threat, and I was actually surprised. Uh, um, we had this conversation pre-podcast, but that's you also did the art for um, the second story as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we should just explain I... there are two stories in in issue three, and the setup in the message from the publisher is that um, the first one is the third. Demon story from back in the 30s, um, but the, the other shorter story that Jermaine's referring to was actually published by Demic, which is a nice little nod to Cemic, um, as a Scandinavian story, um, first, first written in the 80s, but sort of still fits
1: in the time frame of the, the plot of the mm. original. Yeah, yes. yeah. So they, they, they tie in together their mm. stories from other sides of the world, from different times, but in actual fact, I wrote them both and did the art.
2: <laughs> and they're very different art styles, aren't they?
1: Yes. Yeah, like the, the first one is still in the Ray Moore kind of style, but the second one I was sort of going for Kari Lepinen. Mm. Yep. And um, story, story-wise, I was trying to emulate um, a Worker. Mm. Yeah. Because he's probably my favourite of the Europeans. But I love those European stories.
2: Well, I've got to be honest uh, with you, Matt. Uh, no. I um, I, I really I liked the first one. I probably didn't like the second one as much. As, uh, so I think I'm a bit of a kymist. Um, I really like the That's traditional good. stories from back in the 30s. <laughs> yeah.
0: How can you be a kymist when when calmest created both of
2: them? Yeah, that that hasn't worked out well now that I've found that <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> well, again, look, the focus this has fallen flat. This is flat. a new
1: thing for me hearing people say they're a calmest. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice in the um, in the message from the publisher, uh, oh, so in the introduction by Wilson Barry, like I spent a lot of it talking about um, the original story from the '30s, mm. and then barely spoke about the European one. And that's how Jim that Shepard some... would have done it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something I've noticed. Like I don't know how he rated the European stories. He'd go on and on and on about Ray Moore and uh, Lee Falk, but never say much about the Europeans. I tried to do that as well. I gave him one paragraph.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've really enjoyed those those, uh, fake or or whatever you call them, uh, message from the publishers uh, that you've been writing too because there is so much um, memory of Jim Shepard's style and the way that he used to write, but also talking about how we've been able to source this from around the world and just sort of creating a narrative. It's almost a second narrative, not just... The demon and that story, but the story of the demon comic and its place in history, and and this publisher brew publications um, that is that is putting these old stories back together. I'm I'm really enjoying that as as probably as much as the the demon stories, if I'm truthful. Well,
3: that
1: that comes from um, like my interest in the demon, uh, the the phantom as well. Like when I was a kid, and I'd buy a phantom comic, I'd read every single word in the comic, yes, every single word. I'd read the ads, you know. I'd read everything. I just loved it. So that's sort of what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm giving people like the whole experience. So, so we should uh, expect imagine...
2: some um, demon forum letters in the future, perhaps. Emails. Emails. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to send some in for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, send me a email. I'll, I'll publish it for sure. So um... Twenty five dollars.
0: <laughs> so do you see yourself as a writer or an artist?
1: Uh, a writer definitely a writer I'd actually I would love it if someone else would do the art I would love it <laughs> if they'd do it for free <laughs> if only there was so, someone out there that could do those styles yeah. do it quickly and for free I'd just be all over it <laughs> well,
2: so i got, this got an another question <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, but,
1: yeah. hey Jamie Johnson what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy McPherson I'm looking at you
0: <laughs> so is this a is this a um, uh, so is this kind of like a a step to get regular comic book writing or is it uh, or is it more of a or is it more of a um, a hobby as you mentioned before bit of fun but I'm fun. sure if someone offered you some money you would probably take it
1: Oh, yeah, I'll take money. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't know. It's like, I really, really don't want to get sued. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, really, really don't want to. I can't deal with that. Um, I've, you know, I've got friends in comics who are becoming very successful. Like, you know, Ryan Lindsay, who, he won one of the awards the other night and he's working for, the, uh, for um, Dark Horse and he won a... Uh, a, uh, a competition for DC Comics to, to, um, to do some writing for them. I'm so happy for him and for other people who are finding success, but I'm just not looking for it. I just want to do something I want to do, have fun, have people enjoy it, get some feedback, and do another one. And I know that kind of sounds like I'm, like, oh, no. It's, Setting low goals. Yeah. me, yeah. Making a comic which I really like and having people like it—that is a high goal for me. You know, mm. Mm. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to take this anywhere other than what I'm actually doing at the moment. So,
2: us so with when our does, hobbies, f- um, you know, we we are Phantom collectors, Jermaine and I, and it costs us money. Does your uh, without without putting dollar sums on it or anything? Does does your hobby cost you money, or are you at least able to break oh, yeah.
1: I think, like, every every hobby costs you money. You know, like, <laughs> if you play golf or, or, or collect comics or, or or whatever it is, it's going to cost you. Um, with, with The Demon, um, writing it doesn't cost you anything. But then drawing it up, it, co- it takes time. Mm. It takes time away from other things that, which I could be doing. And then, of course, printing them up... Um, Booking tables at conventions, all that kind of stuff, all costs money. But it's so fun, you know. Like,
3: mm.
1: like meeting Jermaine and meeting a lot of Phantom fans at Sydney, you know, like I said before, I'm from Melbourne. I had to pay to get up there and get accommodation and have the table. But it was just, it was so much fun, you know. Mm. It's the best.
0: No, that's good. So when does uh, number four come out?
1: Well, I don't know to be honest. I haven't started it. I've I've got it planned out. I know I've written the story, yeah. um, But I haven't drawn anything for it. Um. My sort of my plan is to release one each quarter. Mhm. So
0: yeah, that was my next I've got question. I've just put
1: out issue three, so I've got a bit of time up my sleeve.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So they also like. Oh, go on. Sorry. I was just going to say with um with comics. I think you can't push it too much. Like my previous comic, which I had that bulletproof kid, you know, that was that was pretty successful. A lot of people were excited about it, but I've released seven issues and I've just seen the interest drop off and drop off and drop off. And I don't think yeah. the quality's dropped off. I just think people have sort of lost interest. So with the demon, I don't want to drain it. You know, I don't want to like be working on it for 20 years and have no one interested. I, I'll, I want to see how the fourth issue goes, see if it's still
0: got a bit of an audience, and then make a decision then. Yep. Well, I guess that's fair enough. Like, while you're not in it for the money, you don't, you can't afford to uh, remortgage the house or, yeah. or anything like that with it as well. Um, so yeah, no, that that makes sense. Well, um, I'll be buying issue four. I've got issue one, two, and three in front of me yeah. right at this moment, which I brought out at um, Supernova. So. When issue four comes you can um uh, reference this um podcast if you need to. Um, but I will be buying issue four.
1: And I well certainly... then you know I do I do like to drop names in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the message from the publisher. So this is an announcement for all Phantom fans. Keep a look out, see whose names pop in there. You might even recognise one.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually that's there's a few in there. There's uh, that we a, yeah. Yeah, a few that we recognised was um uh, a Trevor Clark, who oh, yeah. has a whole heap of uh, vintage newspapers apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, a, he's a
2: demon enthusiast. Yes, Duncan Monday.
1: Yeah, Monroe, uh, a demon historian.
0: Yeah, who's a historian. Yeah, yeah.
1: he, he, does, yeah, a, he, he
0: does, does a good <laughs> job, Duncan. He's got a um, he wears a few hats, old Duncan. <laughs> he does. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you've probably heard of the um, Sammy J show. Yes. Yep. So he does wear a few hats, and then. Um, it's good to see the WA boys being um, represented. We've uh, we've got a Callum uh, a Callum Markham as well, who's um, who, uh, who used to live around the corner from me, but um,
2: has prior, moved but,
0: recently. But so prior
2: to that, was apparently a star in the 1943
1: serial of The Demon.
2: Well, yeah,
0: how, could is, I, how
1: could I not mention him after you know all he's done for Demon law?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's um he's looking pretty he's good for his is. age as well.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he holds up pretty good. <laughs> he
0: does. He's still um still popping out the children as well. Um even after starring in the forties and being alive <laughs> ever since. So um, yeah.
2: So I certainly yeah. I certainly regret um Matt that I didn't pop over and see you during Sydney Supernova. I was a bit besotted by the fruit booth and my first ever Supernova and walking around with stars in my eyes. I did. I did certainly mean to get over and see you, but uh, probably didn't prioritise you like I should have. So I'm sorry about that. No, but no, like Jermaine, I'm certainly now that I've read one, two, and three, I'm certainly looking forward to issue four as well.
0: So, so that's I a good it. point. I'm I'm assuming you'll be in um, the Melbourne Comic Con this weekend yep. or the weekend after. Yes, yeah, this,
1: this coming weekend actually, uh, Melbourne yep. Comic Con. So I'll be there. We certainly
0: not can. sure if this podcast will go out before then, fingers but fingers um, <laughs> so do you make effort to go to any other conventions or have you got any other conventions lined up in the near future
1: uh, yes um, I think by the time this podcast comes out it'll be safe to announce that I'm going to be a guest at GammaCon which is in Canberra so I'm pretty nice. excited about that one awesome um, so what are the dates the for Melbourne... that? ooh you'll have to uh, I don't know it's in August Okay. Yep. Know, do you, you have to head? pay your
0: own way up or are they paying for
3: you?
1: No, no, that's one of the perks of being a comic superstar. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Finally, finally getting the recognition. <laughs> getting, getting, the, getting the perks. <laughs> All right. Actually, I should I should do a shout-out to these comics in Canberra uh, and Brendan that runs the place. They've been uh, outstanding... Um, supporters of my little comic endeavours uh, and thanks to Brendan he's got all these regular readers of regular customers hooked on the demon so I really owe him big time and he's been part of the, the process that's getting me out to the, the uh, Gamma Gamma Con so I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to meeting him too
0: no worries is there any other thank yous you want to say before we um
1: yeah look I, I really should thank um Graham Jackson who's sort of uh, a really um, I couldn't do it without him really he's, he's uh, gives a lot of advice and feedback and he does the vintage effects to make the make my panels look like they're straight out of the 1930s newspaper. Uh, Roger Stipson, he's my proofreader uh, my wife Lonnie who is the best ever and Jermaine you've met her you know what she's like she's pretty cool. Yep.
3: Um,
1: comic shops comic readers, people that have taken a chance on this silly little magazine. Um, yeah, just really appreciate everyone that comes up and says hello and checks out the comic. It really means a lot to me.
2: Oh, that's awesome. And and uh, in terms of um, keeping up to date with your work and, and when number four comes out and that sort of thing, do you have a, a website that people should be checking out or uh, any social media links that people should be starting to follow to, to figure out where you're at?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a Facebook page. It's just uh, the Demon Comic in Facebook. And that's pretty much all I've got. I don't don't do Instagram or anything else. I just update that pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, please check out the check out that page and send us a message. And I always write back.
2: Excellent. Always. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight, Matt. Uh, tonight, Matt. It's been um, Really educational for me coming into it and going, well, what is this um, pretend Phantom all about? But finding out that it is a legitimate um, character in its own right and and something that um, I think Phantom fans will enjoy because not and I was saying this to Jermaine before we even rang you, but not only is it um, you know full of those little Phantom references that um, you know you'll you'll get a little bit of a buzz out of knowing that that's something that you've picked up that other people might not have. But just the fact that if you're a Phantom fan and you like Lee Fork and, and Ray Moore and, and any Phantom stories, you'll like the style of story that you're writing and, and putting together. And um, I really enjoyed it, and um, looking forward to seeing to seeing more.
1: Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you guys have um, given so much time to uh, talk about the Demon. You know, I'm really really thrilled. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Not at all.
0: Not a problem at all, Matt. Uh, It was good to meet you and good to get to know you a little bit more tonight and the last couple of days and stuff. Um, All the best. Um, I hope some... uh, It was good talking to you as, you know, as also as a Phantom fan and and stuff like that as well. It's always... um, There's not enough of us around, so it's good to... um, uh, It's good to chew the fat, so to speak. Uh,
1: Yes. I said Lonnie at Supernova... My um my target audience are mostly dying of old age. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not. <laughs> no, well, we're we're still you know as far as Phantom fans go, we're the young guys. Yeah, well, yes, but we still need long naps after we go
2: to supernova apparently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so
2: have your
1: entire...
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've um what's this? I've graduated from uh, early 30s to now um, early mid 30s. So oh, you've gone and, straight um,
1: through
2: to the early <laughs> 70s the way you're talking. <laughs> and uh
0: and, a f- and one of one of us has uh just just reached the um the, the big four zero, so he's now one of those um gone past middle age well and truly. Oh
2: well and truly, but <laughs> if I get to 80, then something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, look, I'll tell you what, something that my wife and I were doing at Supernova, you know, you just you just look at the people as they walk past and you can see, you know, like people dressed up as Japanese anime and things like that and you know they're not going to come over. No. But every time you see a guy who's probably in his, like, mid-30s, maybe 40s, 50s, you think, OK, here's our customer. Here's a chance. <laughs> Give him a call over. <laughs> here's a phantom fan. Here's an old white guy. <laughs> Yes. Uh, very good.
0: Well, thank you for your time, Matt. It was um, again, it was Thanks, uh, great to touch base and um, get to know each other a little bit better and yeah. learn a bit more about um, your inspiration and also the comic and, and stuff like that as well. All
1: right, my pleasure, guys. All Take right. it easy. Thanks very much, mate. Bye. Cheers. Thank you.
2: All right, so thanks again to Matt for for joining us and and uh, filling us in on all things Demon and his love of the Phantom that inspired it. Uh, thanks very much, Germ, for joining us and uh, being able to, you know, talk to, to Matt as well. Hope uh, putting the daughter to bed goes well.
0: Yes, should be interesting. Um, probably interesting more tomorrow morning trying to get her up for school actually. <laughs> but um, no, it was a real it was a real, uh, real real pleasure talking to Matt and getting to know him and getting to know a little bit more about the story behind the demon and also you could tell he was a fan fan just by the, the, the love in of one while reading the comic but and just talking to him and and I'm sure the people that are listening to this at the moment will probably agree with us that you could um you could you could sense or you could almost smell the love coming seeping out of him of yeah, the phantom so yeah, um, yeah so no it was, it was good it's like a little bit different but it's always yeah. It's always good talking to other Phantom fans.
2: And I know there will be people who, you know, as we've said throughout, are a bit worried about whether this is, um, you know, too close or, or whatever. But all I'd suggest is, is much like Kid Phantom, you can't just make a judgment based on a cover or um, a couple of panels. You've actually got to get in and read the story and find out um, that, you know, this is done in the right way. I think, and um, people will, will actually enjoy it for what it is. <laughs>
0: definitely mate well until next time i think we've got a couple of interesting um podcasts coming up should be interesting should be good fun but um yeah, yeah uh,
2: looking forward to it all right well until then mate um happy marking steve i hope you enjoy your reports um i'm gonna go back to being on holidays and uh we'll talk to you soon happy phantoming everyone
0: happy phantoming
2: They always tend to hang up as we do that bit. Oh, did he hang up? I think he did.
0: Is, is He's still there, Matt?
3: 500 years
0: ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die, the phantom,
3: the ghost who walks,
0: the phantom. enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom, he finds.